So, Father, right now, we thank you that as we go to your word, we just ask in Jesus' mighty name that you would strengthen us with might by your spirit in our inner man. Father, that we would grasp what is the length, what is the breadth, what is the depth, what is the height, that we would know this nature of Christ. We would know this nature that has been infused into our born-again spirit. Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of our understanding being opened, so that we will know what is this hope that you have called us to, and that we would know what is the riches of your inheritance in the saints, and the reality of that exceeding great power that is at work within us, even that power that was demonstrated when you raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, we thank you that that same spirit dwells within us, quickens our mortal body, quickens our understanding, gives us light and gives us life, gives us wisdom, and unveils truth to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's just something here I want to refer to. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, you know, the word of God teaches, it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, to be carnally minded is death. To live in a place of carnal mindedness is to live in a place of separation from God, which is exactly what Jesus came to bring, to put to an end. Which is exactly, to live in a place of separation is to not abide in righteousness. Is to not abide in that place of oneness with him. Jesus was made sin for you and I that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So to be carnally minded is to think and function in such a manner according to what it looks like and feel like and, and flesh and reasoning and logic that it puts you in a place of separation from God. But to be spiritually minded is life and it is peace. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Word of God says in Romans 8 and verse 9, that you are not, and when you are born again, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So when you are born again, you are in the spirit. And if we would walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Galatians 5 from verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm going to read it this way. The nature of your born-again spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. You cannot be too kind. You cannot walk in too much love. You cannot be too faithful. You cannot be too good. You cannot walk in too much peace. You cannot walk in too much joy. Amen. Against such there is no law. <laughs> and those that are Christ, that have been born again, that belong to Christ, by the miracle working power of God, and by the faith of the operation of God, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, and we do live in the spirit, if any man has the spirit of Christ, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, then he doesn't belong to him. You are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit if the spirit of God is in you. So you live in the spirit. Now, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. This issue of walking in the spirit, being spiritually minded, is a very, very important, serious issue, and it is a very measure of our maturity. 
the degree to which our life is controlled by our born-again spirit, and whether we're walking in the spirit, whether we're walking after the spirit, whether we're walking according to the spirit, whether we're being spiritually minded, that is the very measure of maturity. Now, the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, most believers don't walk in the spirit. I, I, I came across this here, and I thought it, 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 it captured the life of a lot of believers and, and, and what we need to do and where we need to go and how much we need to walk in the Spirit. So let me just read this to you. And, you know, take this and, and check yourself out. Now, this is not to bring condemnation, but this is to provoke us to grow up, to mature. Are you living from your soul or are you living from your spirit? Most of us are so accustomed to living from our souls that when we get born again, we really don't change. We keep living from our souls while using the spiritual vocabulary, while saying and speaking spiritual sounding glory to God, praise the Lord, phrases, and that those are good too. But our feelings and our emotions continue to dominate us. And then we wonder, why aren't we seeing the promises of God coming to pass and being fulfilled in our lives? So question, how can you tell if you are living from your soul? Well, here are a few thoughts. Are you motivated by feelings? Feelings of sadness or anger or bitterness, resentment, um, fear, oppression, grief, are these what you normally walk in? Or this, is this the expectation? Do you evaluate your day based on your feelings to determine whether it was a good day, a bad day, or what? You pray or you read the word, but it's only if you feel like it. And then... You, you, you pray or you read word just for a little bit and then you get tired. You, you grow weary and you want to move on to something else. You want to click on a post or you want to <laughs> whatever else it might be. Are you living from your soul? Is your prayer life, if you pray that is, and I'm not, I don't mean to be sarcastic, but is your prayer life motivated by emotions? Do you pray out of fear? Do you pray out of grief and sympathy and sorrow? Is your prayer all wrapped up based on needs? Is your prayer based on some emotional reaction rather than, than a spiritual perception and revelation from the Spirit of God? Are you living out of your soul? Or are you living out of your spirit? Are you living out of your soul? Are you allowing your senses to evaluate your spiritual growth and the blessings of God? You only believe what you see and what you feel. You allow your body to tell you if you're healed or if you're not, as opposed to what the Word of God says. Is the word of God final authority in your life? Or is it what you feel like? What it looks like? What it feels like? Faith is not based on what is seen. Faith is based on what is finished. Are you living out of your spirit? Are you living out of your soul? Now if you are living out of your spirit, it's a totally different dimension. You are motivated by the word of God. You believe what is written above what you feel or, or even in spite of what you feel. You choose to be thankful and joyful and positive and operate out of the nature of your spirit that is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness. You choose thankfulness. You choose being positive. You evaluate your day based on the lives you have touched based on your fellowship and your communion and your, and your intimacy with God, your experiences with God. The peace of God that you are walking in, the, the confidence that you have even in the midst of the storm, knowing that everything has been reconciled through the blood. 
You even offer up sacrifices of praise if, you, if need be. You refuse to let emotions distract you or dictate to you and pull you out from the truth. Your prayer life is motivated not by the needs in your life, but by a vision of what is finished, by a vision of victory. It is motivated by the promises of God that you take a hold of and draw out that divine nature and escape the corruption in this world. It is motivated by the love of, your prayer life is motivated by your love of God and your desire for his fellowship and intimacy and communion with him. You allow God to show you the end in the beginning and show you the victory. You look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Your prayer life is one of cooperating with the will of God and the purposes of God. Operating according to his own pleasure. It is, a, it is, a, it is, a, it, it is an agreement with the Holy Spirit of God that is inside of you. You're choosing to stand firm. You're not, you're not, you're not begging and pleading and complaining and, and being fearful in, in that arena of prayer or wishing and hoping. But like as the righteous, you're bold. You're confident. You know you've got access and confidence by Christ and by the faith of Christ to the Father. You know you have that authority over the enemy. You know you've got access to people and your prayer make a difference. You can come into this realm of prayer and intercession. You're choosing to stand on the word of God and, and ignore the negative reports. You're praying from a place of revelation. Revelation is more important to you than information. You're expecting God's word to be the light that shines upon your pathways. You're expecting the Spirit of God to go before you and to plant you in his footsteps. You are evaluating your life based on the word of God, based on, uh, on the hope of God that you were born again to, based on the vision of the, of the promises of God and the blessing of the Lord that is working in you. You have a positive confident expectation and hope that's your outlook because it's based on the word it's based on what jesus has finished it's based on where you are seated at the father's right hand in christ you know that you are more than a conqueror in all of these things because as it says in colossians 1 and verse 20 by the blood of his cross he has purchased peace he has reconciled everything to god's original intent so that that very situation that, is, that seems to be against you, those, those, those things that are assailing you, those situations and circumstances that, seems to, that are so conflicting and so threatening, but because you know the power and authority of that blood and what has been finished and that it is settled in heaven, because that is such a reality to you, in the midst of it all, you know that I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me because of what he has finished. I'm talking about where are you living from? Are you living out of your soul? Are you living out of your spirit? Evaluate yourself. Obviously, God says if you live in the spirit, then we are to walk in the spirit. We are to walk in the spirit. Now, I, I, I said all of that just, just so that we can see that we are not where we, where, we, where, we, where we ought to be and that we need to keep coming up higher. We need to endeavor to get a hold of what we need, whatever we need to, have our minds renewed, and walk in the Spirit. In Colossians chapter 1, and, and, and it is a maturity issue. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, Paul said, we preach, we preach Christ. We preach and we warn every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, that we may present every man a, a mat mature, full-grown, fully initiated, complete, perfect in Christ, the anointed one. We're talking about maturity. Amen? So today I'm going to be teaching on this subject of, 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 of renewing your mind 
and training your spirit so that you could be sensitive to what, your, to what your spirit is doing, what your spirit is saying, to your spirit's operation for who you are in the spirit, where you live, renewing your mind and training your spirit. Hallelujah. Training your born-again spirit, that new man. Now, I want to encourage you to, to go back and listen to the last two messages, the last two previous Sundays. One of them was the nature, knowing the nature of your born-again spirit. And the previous and last week message, how to get into agreement with your born-again spirit. Now, actually, last week's message could have been titled, How to Get Your Soul and Your Spirit in Agreement. You see, the Word of God teaches, it says, James says in James chapter 1, verse 21, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. In other words, your soul starting out has been trained by information from your body, from your senses, experiences, and because of the input of what your mind has been programmed with, if it remains that way, then your mind will side with your body against your spirit. And you will remain a baby Christian. Amen? So if we're going to mature, then the mind must be renewed. So that it can line up with your born-again spirit. And once your spirit and your soul are in harmony, your body will follow. <laughs> Amen? All right, two against one. <laughs> so I think it would be profitable for us to, to reflect and to, and to consider some of what we've taught, talk, talked about over the last couple of weeks. I think it would be valuable to you. Your born-again spirit has been perfected forever. Hebrews 10 verse 14 says, By that one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Your spirit man is complete. Hebrews 12 verse 23 says, We have come to Mount Zion, etc., etc. We have come to the spirit of just men made perfect. Now, for the sake of understanding, imagine a new baby. A new baby that is born, and that baby is, 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 is like a perfect baby. That per there is no birth defects whatsoever. The baby would, have, would, would obviously have the nature of his parents. So it is when you are born again of the word of God and of the spirit of God, your born again spirit has the nature of God. And in the nature of God, that means you have all the fruits, what we call the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control, temperance, and so on. That's the nature of God, and that's the nature of your born-again Spirit. You see, your Spirit, the life of your born-again Spirit is Christ himself. It says in Colossians 3, verse 3 and 4, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. Christ is the life of your born-again spirit. That old man was crucified. It's no longer him that lived, but it is Christ that lived in you. And the life you now live, it's the life of Christ and he lived by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2 verse 20. So that nature of God, that nature of Christ abides in you. It's your nature. It's who you are. And it's permanent. It is continual. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says, Now abide it. Now abide it. Faith, hope, love. Well, we could add joy, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, self Now abide it. Not abide it sometimes. When is now? When is now is always now. Amen? And when we get to then, then will be now. Amen? And if we go back into yesterday... Back in yesterday, yesterday was now. <laughs> All right? Now fear it is. <laughs> Amen? Now abide it. 
Not sometimes. Now abide it. Faith, hope, love. The nature is there and it's there permanently and continually. You need to know that. Ephesians 4 verse 24 says that, that this new man has been created in righteousness and true holiness. So that new man has the very righteousness of God and is as holy as God is holy. And in the presence of God, it says in Colossians 1.22, he is holy. He's without blame. He's without reproach. This newborn again man, your born again spirit, lives in an unbroken fellowship with God. First John 1 John 1.3, John says, truly, truly, this is the truth, verily, verily, truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And of course, we know we have communion with the Holy Spirit. Your born-again spirit has faith, and it always believes. Your born-again spirit has zero doubt, always believes. He believes unto righteousness. He believes. Your spirit is sanctified, consecrated, dedicated, committed to God's will, to God's purpose, Romans 7.22 says that, you that he delights in the law of God. You know, when Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of God. That's your born again spirit talking. My meat is to do the will of God. Your born again spirit is infused with the life of Christ. The life of Christ is the life of your born again spirit. That's the nature. That's who he is. And who he is, he is. <laughs> Amen. Who he is, he is. Who he is, he doesn't have to become. He already is. Another thing is this. Secondly, your born again spirit is positioned as a child, like, as a child is born of his parents. When a child is born of his parents, what happened? That, that child has, is a child of those, has, has sonship, has certain rights. Well, so it is when you are born again. When you are born again, you not only have the nature of your father God, but you are also positioned in Christ at the father's right hand in a place of sonship. As many as receive him, he's given what? Power to become the sons of God. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. You are a joint heir with Christ. Behold what manner of love that we might be called the sons of God. We have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, to shrink back. But we've received a spirit of adoption. We are born again. We are positioned in that place of sonship. And it, is an, and it is in Christ, we have been raised up together with Christ, we are seated with Christ, where? At the Father's right hand. Where is that? Far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and circumstances and everything else. Far above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which to come. That's your position. That's where you live. Your spirit lives in the very presence of God. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, we enter through the blood into the holiest of holies by a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil of his flesh. This is where you live. You live in the presence of God. And the presence of God is in you. It is impossible for your born-again spirit to sin because the seed of God and the nature of God is in him. 1 John 3, 9. The very nature of God, it is as impossible for him to sin, your born-again spirit, as it is impossible for God to sin. And it says in 1 John 5, 18, that your born-again spirit, he keepeth himself. He keepeth himself in the love of God. And he is in a place where he's untouchable. By the wicked one. Hallelujah. All right? So, like that newborn baby is perfect in his nature, your born-again spirit 
is perfect, no defects, has the nature of God. It's perfect in his position. He's seated with Christ at God's right hand in the place of sonship. But let me say this. Like as that baby, everything is wonderful and perfect, great position, sonship. Nevertheless, that baby needs to, the sincere milk of the word to grow, to develop, to take action, to do. Amen? To become functional, so to speak, more functional. He needs to, that baby needs to develop in his functionality and in his doing. So it is with your born again spirit. Perfect in nature. Perfect in position. Who he is. Where he is. But your born again spirit is also to become more skillful in his operations. In his doing. Who he is, that's settled. Where he is, that's settled. But like as Jesus who was born of Mary, like as Jesus, it says in Luke 2, verse 52, grew. He grew in wisdom and in stature. So your born-again spirit can also grow in his operation. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 says, Though the outward man perish, yet the inner man, that born-again man, is renewed day by day by day. So, 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 and where are we going? The need to renew your mind and the need to train your born-again spirit or, or to become more sensitive to his operation and for him to become more proficient in his functioning, in his operations, all right? So what are the operations of your born-again spirit? Um, what does he do? <laughs> Is he just sitting here in your belly? What does he do? Now, here are a list of some of the things that he does. Your born-again spirit discerns. Let me turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here so I could read a few scriptures as we, as we go along. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All right. So, your born-again spirit discerns. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, that's your born-again man, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But... We have the mind of Christ. Your born-again spirit has the mind of Christ. Now, it's another place. It's going to say, let that mind be in you. <laughs> You've got it. Now, let it. Anyway, your born-again spirit discerns, which means it examines, it scrutinizes, it investigates everything and everyone. Amen? That's going to be quite interesting. <laughs> your spirit knows everything about you. And it knows, and, and you know, it says, who had known the things of a man save the spirit of the man that is in him? In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Your spirit knows everything about you, and your spirit is in communion with the Holy Spirit. And he knows all things. He knows everything about everything. Jesus says in John 16 and verse 13, that when the Holy Spirit has come, he will lead you. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will guide you into all truth. He will take what's mine and he will reveal it, uncover it, unveil it to you. And bring you into the comprehension and bring you into the experience of what is yours. So your born again spirit knows everything about you and is, and it's hooked up with the spirit of God. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And, 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 and therefore, he can receive from the Holy Spirit and have access to all kinds of information. That is why it says we have received an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. 1 John 2.20 and then 1 John 2.27. You need not that any man teach you, but as that anointing teaches you all things, etc., etc. All right. 
So your spirit then, your born-again spirit is intelligent. And it has access to the intelligence of God. So as a result, you have the ability and the potential of creativity. You have the potential of being able to get a new thought, a new idea. Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God reveals them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the very deep things of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, as we're talking about these operations of your born-again spirit, that you can become more proficient and your mind and your soul can become more sensitive to what your spirit is doing. I mean, look at where your spirit is. Look who he's hooked up with. He's hooked up with the spirit of truth. He has the nature of God inside of him. Can you imagine when we can find out what he's doing, what he's saying, what he's believing, and we can line up our thinking and our speaking and our actions to him? You know, it says, put on the new man. Strip off the old man, Ephesians 2.22. And then Ephesians 2.23, um, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on a new man. So you, your mind needs to be renewed to the knowledge of that new man. Who he is, what he is, where he lives, what he has to say, what is he doing. And that's what this, is, this teaching here is all about. Be opening up this arena to his operations. The need for our minds to be renewed. And the need for us to become more sensitive to, to what's going on in our spirit. Don't ignore it. Your spirit can increase in, in its skillfulness of perceiving. Remember how Jesus would perceive what was in people's heart? Remember how Paul perceived that a man had faith to be healed? Your spirit can perceive. I mean, there are times we've accidentally in communication with one another. We just Sometimes you will perceive the question that somebody has even before they ask it. Your spirit can perceive. It can perceive what people are thinking. It can perceive where people are at. And um, we can become more skillful in this arena. Like you see, in these areas of operation, we can be get better at it, which is what we want to do. Your spirit can witness. You know, the Bible says our spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, your spirit bears witness to truth. Your spirit will attest and, and, and concur and confirm with the Holy Ghost concerning a particular matter. So there are times sometimes you're in a place, you know, you're not sure, do I go this way or that way? What is right? What's not right? Is this teaching true or is this error? Well, as you be learn to become more sensitive to your spirit, you will recognize, oh, there's a check here. You'll recognize mm -mm, something and right. Or you'll recognize, you know, even though I don't, I don't have all this revelation and I don't understand everything that is being said, there is a witness on the inside of me that is coming to me saying, there is some truth here. I need to get a hold of this. Your spirit witnesses. Your spirit also lives on a communication level of fellowship with God, whereby he is able to bless the Lord. He is able to praise and to celebrate God. He is able to rejoice in God. He is able to worship in another dimension. Jesus says the Father seeks such to worship him. They that would worship him in spirit and in truth. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, around 15 and 16, it says, um, um, it says about my, let, let, me, let me get it correctly. It says in verse 15, I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with my understanding. Your spirit can sing. It says when you speak in tongues, you give thanks well. But where's those tongues coming from? I will pray in the spirit. Amen? When I pray in tongues, my spirit prayed. 
When I sing in tongues, my spirit is singing. So your spirit can sing. It can praise God. It can celebrate God. It can magnify God. It can worship God. That's part of his activity. That is part of his functioning. That's part of what he does. That's part of his operation. He has his own language. <laughs> Bless God. He has his own language to talk to God. Even though your understanding might be unfruitful, yet your spirit if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, even though my understanding might be unfruitful. He's got a language of his own. Can you see what I'm saying? He operates in a higher level of communion and fellowship with God, almighty creator of the heaven and the earth. Your spirit can be fervent. It can be zealous. Remember Apollos in Acts? That was fervent in spirit. Romans chapter 12 verse 11. Talking about, about, in, about being fervent in spirit. Your, and your spirit can also be stirred. It can be provoked. <laughs> I was going to use the word irritated. But I don't want to use that one. But your spirit can be stirred. It can be provoked. Um, when it sees idolatry. When it sees sin. When it sees people having no respect for God. And they're irreverent. Your spirit can be grieved. Your spirit can be stirred. Paul was stirred when he saw the idolatry that was taking place. Where was it? What is it? Was it in Ephesus? Anyway, check Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Your spirit also has this potential of moving into deeper realms of prayer. The Bible speaks about groanings. The Bible speaks about travail. Paul says, I travail again. And it speaks about groaning. These are the other dimensions in the realm of prayer that your spirit can go to. That's part of his operations. So in each of these areas, the whole purpose is that we might develop more in, in some of these areas. It is, like, it is like that baby building some muscles. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Building some muscles. Glory to God. All right. Now, so let's talk a little bit about Let's let's um, let's let, let's just well. Let me simply put it this way: there are keys <laughs> that will help you to train your spirit, so that you could become more proficient in its functioning and in its operations. And remember, it's not like you're training your spirit. In who he is, who he is, he is. You're not trying to. Uh, 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 you're not training him in the area of his nature. You're not because his nature abided or position. But what you're training your spirit is, is to become more proficient, more adept, more more skillful in its operation. Okay. All right. Now the issue of renewing your mind to who you are, to who, to that nature of your born again spirit to where he lives, and, and, and to become more sensitive to what he's doing. As I said before, coming from James, uh, you know, James says, you got to receive it with meekness and grafted words so your soul could be saved. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind is not renewed, what happens? It will side with your body. Because your mind was educated through your body and through your physical senses. So in the renewing of the mind, you've got to strip all that old information out and put in the word of God. And then as your mind lines up with your spirit, then you are able to walk in the spirit more effectively. And we are able to grow up and not stay in a baby stage. Become skillful in functioning in righteousness. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13 and 14. Now, Philippians 1 verse 27 says, Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Let your conversation, and that means, what do you mean by conversation? How you think, how you speak, your attitudes, right, your conduct. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Let it be consistent and in harmony with 
the gospel. What is the gospel? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said, when God called me from my mother's womb to, to reveal his son in me, and that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Galatians 1, verse 16 and 17. So the gospel is Christ in you. In Galatians 2, verse, verse 14, um, Paul was rebuking Peter and told him that he was not walking upright in the gospel. He was not walking accurately and um, in harmony with the truth that it is now Christ in him and the old man has been crucified. Amen? So... The mind must be renewed. The mind must be renewed, it says in Colossians 3 and verse 10, after the image of him that created him. In other words, it must be renewed to the knowledge of the new man, and that new man is created after the very knowledge of Christ. Christ is the essence of his life. And the more the mind is renewed to who you are, to who the new man is, his nature, his position, and his functions, and so on, what happens? The more you will be free from the doubt, from the unbelief, from the ignorance, the very things that the enemy used to take advantage of us. The very thing that the enemy used to keep us in the flesh and make us ineffective. And as our mind is renewed and we become more, and our spirits become more trained and we more, become more sensitive to this operation, we will become more effective. Effective in cooperating with God, effective in, 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 in getting his will done on earth as it is in heaven, and seeing fulfillment of the promises of God in our lives and the Spirit of God accomplishing things in us and through us. Amen? Hallelujah. So, what are we talking about? We're talking about renewing your mind. We're talking about training your spirit. Now, I'm just going to give you six keys, so to speak, that will help renew your mind. Amen? Now, what, what, is, what is very interesting is the keys, the very keys that help renew your mind are also the very keys that help train your born-again spirit. Which means if they're the same keys for both, <laughs> then it means you can do both at the same time. You can renew your mind and develop in the sensitivity and in the operations of your born-again spirit and become more proficient in that area, and you could do both the same at the same time so to speak now there are six keys that i'm going to share just in a i'm not going to share them in detail we're going to come back and we're going to really get into them in detail next week as the lord leads amen number one meditating in the word of god meditating in the word of god You know, and let me, just, let me just give you this one scripture anyway. <laughs> Meditating in the word of God. God had told, told um, Joshua, meditate in the word. Don't let this book depart from your mouth. And, it, and because of that, and observe to do according to what it says, and you would be prosperous and have good success. First Peter chapter 1 verse 13 says, Gird up the loins of your mind. The loins, the muscles <laughs> of your mind, so to speak. And be sober. What do you mean sober? Think like God. Think like God. Where did I get that from? Well, Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, um, not to think more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man. To think soberly according as God. To think soberly according as God. So to think sober, to be sober is to think like God. Is to think in the mind of Christ. So, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Get your mind renewed. And rest your hope fully upon the grace, the grace, the enabling power of God, the sufficiency, upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, meditation will produce revelation. And then when you get revelation, you will have the motivation to take action, which will bring manifestation or the fruit. Amen? So number one, 
One key, key number one, meditating in the word of God. And again, we will de develop that some more. Number two, praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Number three, A, pray a prayer life, having a prayer life that constantly seeks God. Amen. And because of that constant seeking and pursuing of God, the issue of fasting and prayer becomes a very um, effective tool. Not to move God, but to get you to be more sensitive to what's happening in your spirit and shutting down the flesh. Amen? So number three, your prayer life of constantly seeking God and then adding fasting to it. Number four, being a doer of the word. It is not the hearers that are blessed, but it is the doers of the word. Number five, letting the word of God be final authority. The reason why many times people lose their healing is because they are moved by the, by the symptoms. They believe the symptoms above the word of God. They believe their feelings and that natural report above the report of God. You see, when you decide, I believe that by his stripes I were healed and I am healed and his healing power is flowing in my body. When I believe that by his stripes I am healed and uh, that I were healed and I am healed. And I believe that just because God said it, just because Jesus finished it, and I have no other evidence except what God has said. That's faith. That's the faith that pleases God. But when I am moved by the circumstances and the symptoms and their voice becomes louder and my believing is based on them, what have I done? I have, done, I have, I have, I, I, I have divorced or, or disengaged myself from God, from his word, and what the blood has finished. And, I've, and as a result of that, Instead of having the peace, knowing that everything has been reconciled and this sickness has already been dealt with, instead what happened? The voice of those symptoms and circumstances begin to speak to me and I listen to them and they don't produce faith, they produce fear. Next thing you know, I'm anxious, I'm worried, and I'm disconnected from God, no faith present. Amen? So letting the word of God have final authority. When you find out that this is what the word of God says, that's it. You don't need no confirmation. You don't need nothing else. I've got the word. And then number six, staying pure and keeping your conscience pure and learning to trust the voice of your spirit. Amen? Now, we're going to have to teach on this, and we are going to do so next week in the name of of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you've got something to look forward to. You've got, you've got, you've got a, um, you, you, you have a mark that you are pressing to. You know, Paul says, I press for the mark and in the process, and as I get there, I'm going to get a prize. So you are to press for this place where the mind will be so renewed to the knowledge of the new man and to the word of God that your soul would be at peace. Hallelujah. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that your soul would be restored. He restored my soul. And that your spirit man will be operating with such a, I, I'm going to make this word up, with such a robustity. <laughs> right, is that okay? Robustity. It would be so robust, so, so vibrant, so bold, so confident, so, so strong, so that it would literally, the law that govern him will rise up and it will shut down the law of sin and death and sickness and disease and carnality and fear and doubt and unbelief and bring you into the rest of God. Hallelujah. Now in all of this, let us also understand 
You know, like, you know, as, as we press for the mark and as, and as we begin to see the fruits and the fulfillment and so on. And it is our responsibility. We have got, it is our job. God says, you be, you be, you be transformed in the renewing of your mind. You receive with meekness the engrafted word. You take time and pray in tongues. But as we do these things and as we grow in these areas, and then the fruit comes up. The fruit is really coming up because of that life of Christ that is in you that is being allowed to now flow through you. Amen? So that the fruit is actually the fruit of righteousness. It is the manifestation of that inward life. Which is to say then that when the good fruit comes up, we've got nothing to boast because the excellency of the power is of him and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And when the fruit comes up, the excellency of the, to him be all the glory. To him be all the praise. It is not by my might nor by my power, but it is by his spirit. It is the work of his grace. So in all of this, it is, it is, it is to align us into that place where God can have his own way. And where Christ can live in us and through us just as he would if he was walking the shores today in his, in his own body. Well, this is now his body. And he wants to have that freedom to live in us and through us. Hallelujah. It is about maturing. It is about being established in Christ. Established in that nature. So, Father, we thank you. Well, Father, we thank you that you who have begun a good work in us, that you are faithful to complete it. You are faithful to bring it to maturity. So, Lord, we just thank you and we acknowledge your precious Holy Spirit working within us both to will and to do for your pleasure. We acknowledge the power of the blood that is doing such a perfecting work so that we can fully please you in every area of our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Father, I pray for such a strengthening, empowering, energizing impartation from the Holy Ghost right now that there would be a supernatural divine stamina that will come into your children. As in as a result, they will press in to you. They will press in to the word of God. They will become diligent to make their calling and their election sure. They'll become diligent in the word, studying to sh show themselves approved. They will become diligent in speaking what your word says. They would become sensitized to their born-again spirit and its operations. Father, I'm thanking you for doing that in all of our lives. And this inner man being renewed day by day by day, and we keep coming up higher in the name of Jesus, even into the place of the full measure of the statue of Christ. <laughs>